As I was preparing for today, do you know what I kept thinking about? Being short in this world can be a challenge. I see of you nodding your heads already. I mean, let's be honest, you gotta hand it to short people. They probably can't reach it anyway. Now, before you think I'm picking on short people this morning, keep in mind, I'm married to a short person. I love short people. They're more down to earth, you know. I, I promise, I don't want you to hear any of this the wrong way. I'm not saying short people are inferior in any way. I just worried that from time to time they might get overlooked. All right, I'm done. But let's be honest, being short in this world from time to time can be challenging. And our friend Zacchaeus knew this to be true as well. Despite only appearing in Luke's gospel account, Zacchaeus might be one of the most recognizable names in all of scripture. Most of us are probably familiar with Zacchaeus because of our days in the children's ministry. We learned from that children's song that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. The children's tune provides a nice synopsis of the story for indeed Zacchaeus does climb up in the sycamore tree as a wee little man. But as we understand these gospel stories, there's often more than meets the eye. We learn in the text that John read for us earlier that Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. And there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and he was very rich. Right off the bat, Luke introduces us to Zacchaeus and describes him not only as a tax collector but as a chief tax collector. You might recall from BJ's sermon last Sunday that tax collectors were not exactly the most beloved characters in their communities. Tax collectors, as BJ mentioned, were not merely those who collected money. Rather, they often collaborated with the Roman government. And in the processes of collecting taxes, they would take up more money than was necessary, skimming off some off the top in order to line their own pockets with cash. As a chief tax collector, Zacchaeus was responsible for not only collecting the taxes, but also employing others to do the work for him. It stands to reason that Zacchaeus at one point or another most likely started out on the lower rung and worked his way up, swindling enough money to make a name for himself and in the process employing others to expand his enterprise. Zacchaeus then likely held sway with the movers and shakers of his community. What he lacked for in height, he made up for in wealth and influence. Now, we don't know much about Zacchaeus beyond what the text tells us, but I've got to tell you, I like to think of Zacchaeus as a gritty little fellow. Something tells me that Zacchaeus was that kid on the playground who never got picked because of his size. Perhaps he was also viewed as someone who should have been held back in school because he simply didn't mature or grow fast enough as those in his class. Whatever the case, I like to think that Zacchaeus used these perceived slights as motivation. 
While he may have been short in size, it's safe to assume that Zacchaeus was resourceful, charismatic, and shrewd in his dealings with others. And in using his considerable gifts, he rose to the top of his profession. Zacchaeus, by all accounts, might as well be that unnamed character in Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 12, who in resting on his laurels and his immense wealth says to himself, Self, you have more than enough grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But that's not the case for Zacchaeus. Something is amiss within him. Like the rich young ruler who appeared in chapter 18, Zacchaeus still lacks one thing. And I think Zacchaeus knew it too. Our text reads that he wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran up ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus, for Jesus was passing that way. Now picture this. A man with Zacchaeus' wealth and influence running among the crowd and climbing up a sycamore tree just to see Jesus. Alan Culpepper notes, it was considered undignified for a grown man to run, and a man of Zacchaeus' importance would certainly not be climbing a tree. So what in the world is Zacchaeus doing? Why would he put his reputation on the line just to see Jesus? In the story that immediately precedes our text this morning, there's a blind beggar sitting on the roadside outside of Jericho. And as Jesus comes passing by, the blind beggar says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd rebukes him. So he shouts all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd, more agitated this time, tells the man, shut up, before Jesus finally says to the crowd, bring him to me. And upon bringing him over, Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind beggar says, Lord, I want to see. Luke is intentional with his placement of these two stories back to back. While one character is poor at the end of chapter 18, one is rich at the beginning of chapter 19. In both of our stories, our characters want to see. And in both stories, the crowd serves as an impediment to their ability to see. And in both of our stories, our protagonists risk ridicule in order to get Jesus' attention. Like the blind beggar, Zacchaeus desires something that he cannot provide or earn for himself. All the wealth and influence in the world cannot fill the empty void of an empty soul. Perhaps Zacchaeus lived a happy and fulfilling life, but in throwing caution to the wind by running through the crowds and climbing up trees, Zacchaeus reveals an urgency within himself to discover something or someone who can soothe his anxious soul. Zacchaeus wants, like many others in Luke's gospel, who worked so hard, who inherited so much to know if he's reached the pinnacle of life or if there is more to all of this. 
as Jesus is walking among the crowd, he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus up there in the tree. And to our modern ears, he does something peculiar. He essentially invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, for I must stay at your house today. And overjoyed, Zacchaeus climbs down and welcomes Jesus. By staying at Zacchaeus' house, Jesus is crossing the barrier of ritual purity. A tax collector would regularly be rendered unclean by entering homes and inspecting goods. Jesus, who was being followed by the crowds that day, would have brought honor to whatever house he entered. And as such, he confers a special honor upon Zacchaeus by providing him the opportunity to offer hospitality to Jesus. But, as you might suspect, not everybody is thrilled with the scene. People in the crowd begin to mutter that Jesus has gone to be a friend of a sinner. It is interesting how much emphasis Luke placed on seeing in our text this morning. Zacchaeus runs and climbs up a tree to see Jesus. Jesus sees Zacchaeus in the tree, but of course, Jesus sees Zacchaeus in a way that is a little bit more than in that physical sense. Jesus sees Zacchaeus in perhaps a way that he has never seen himself. He sees beyond the human and societal labels that are placed upon him. And instead of joining the ridicule of the crowd, he shares fellowship with Zacchaeus. The vision of God's beloved kingdom is unfolding before the crowd's very eyes. And what do they see? Nothing but their already preconceived notion of Zacchaeus as a sinner. But nevertheless, something lights a fire under Zacchaeus. After his encounter with Jesus, he stands up like a child on Christmas morning. He says, look, Lord. Half of my possessions I give to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything at all, I will pay it back four times as much. Zacchaeus' pledge conforms to Old Testament laws of restitution and to the standard that was advanced by John the Baptist. In the Old Testament, the laws varied, so Zacchaeus took the most stringent example he could find in agreeing to pay back fourfold what he had cheated. And further, Zacchaeus conforms to the standards that were set by John the Baptist, who wrote in chapter 3, verse 11 of Luke's own gospel, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. In other words, half of his possessions. Friends, this is a remarkable scene. Here and now, Zacchaeus proclaims, there is an immediate conversion which corresponds with a radical response Fred Craddock notes in his commentary that Zacchaeus' offer of half of his possessions to the poor and a generous restitution to anyone he may have cheated can be seen as itself evidence of the radicality of grace and the power of Jesus' good news to him. After all, Craddock said, Luke's gospel of grace is joined to repentance. And repentance is not solely a transaction of the heart. Repentance bears fruit, Craddock says. 
The fruit born in Zacchaeus' repentance is, to be sure, not a requirement to receive God's grace, but rather it is a response to grace that has already been received and is already at work in Zacchaeus' life. While a camel could not pass through the eye of a needle, God can indeed lead a rich man to the kingdom of God. For today, salvation has come to this house because this man too belongs in the family of God. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke makes it clear all the way back in chapter 9, verse 51, that Jesus had resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. For he knew the agony that awaited him there. And yet, here in our passage, as Jesus is coming through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus never loses sight of what his purpose and his mission is in the world. To seek and to save the lost. By all accounts, Zacchaeus was a man who had all that he needed in this world. He had reached the pinnacle of social life within the Roman Empire. But something stirred in him. Something stirred in his heart that day that caused him to run through the crowd, to climb up that tree to see Jesus. And perhaps for the first time in Zacchaeus' life, he felt like one of the people that he used to collect taxes from. Perhaps for the first time, standing there before Jesus... Zacchaeus realized he was shortchanged where it mattered most. But unlike a tax collector, Jesus doesn't demand payment. Jesus doesn't penalize Zacchaeus for his lack of righteousness. Jesus embraces him. Jesus extends grace and welcomes him into the family of God, not because of anything Zacchaeus did or didn't do, but because of who Jesus is. It is Jesus who sees Zacchaeus. Despite the crowd, despite the enormity of what awaited him in Jerusalem, Jesus takes time to notice Zacchaeus. And in sharing fellowship with him, Zacchaeus is transformed. Is it possible this morning that amidst the chaos, the confusion, the demands of our day, that Jesus sees us too? Is it possible that despite all of our insecurities, our fears, our past mistakes, is it possible that Jesus wants to share fellowship with us as well? Perhaps You're like Zacchaeus this morning. You've spent most of your life attempting to overcome perceived flaws, insecurities, disappointments in your life, mostly just to survive. Like Zacchaeus, you spent most of your life overcompensating in other areas to stand out, to get ahead, or perhaps just to feel loved. But as you sit here today, you feel in some sense that a piece of your soul has gone missing. Despite all of your hard work and your dedication to your craft, to building your best life possible, you sit here and you wonder in the back of your mind, is this it? Is this really all there is to life? 
Or is there more? And the good news is, there is. Because along comes Jesus, who to be sure already has plenty on his plate that day. But despite all the various needs and concerns that demand his attention, Jesus notices you. Jesus notices me. Yes, us. You and me. With all of our fears, our failures, our anxiety. And he invites us to come down from the trees of our insecurity to come and commune with him. There's no expectations. There's no requirements here. It's just that Jesus wants to spend time with us. And when we come into the presence of Jesus, we will soon discover that that is more than enough. For to be in the presence of Jesus is to experience the radical, unconditional love of God. And my friends... That love will never leave us the same way that it found us. Thanks be to God. Amen.